Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Man! Wow, man, freak out! You're listening to the Brenton on Tour podcast. That's right. He travels the world running concerts and searches for the best coffee, people, and amazing stories so you don't have to. Pay attention, you're going to learn something for a change. This is a show about all of those things and much, much more. You're blowing my mind right now. This is, I hope someone's recording this. So settle in, pour a cup of amazing coffee. He's a coffee snob, by the way. Crank that ghetto blaster and enjoy the 150,000 ranked podcast in the land. Ah, fake laugh. Hiding real pain. I think that's an exaggeration. It's the Brenton on Tour podcast. Any questions? Here's BD. Holy moly, it's an episode. Hey, friends, what's going on? It's your pal Brent. Back for another episode of the Brenton on Tour podcast, making it series. Been a couple of weeks, but that's what happens when you travel like I do, when you're running shows. It's travel madness over here, like I touched on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Just the airport craziness and all the stuff that's been going on. I'm in Stockholm, Sweden right now. Uh, Supposed to be in Berg, Norway. Berg in Norway. Uh, Doing a castle. Flight gets canceled. Tour goes on to do another show. They're coming back here, so I decided to come here. Delays, delays, delays. It just never ends right now. And if you're thinking about traveling, like I said a couple of weeks ago, three hours. Give yourself as much time as humanly possible. It is a gong show out here for travel. Um, almost every band and person that I know in a band uh, or involved in a band is out here in Europe right now playing shows. And uh, they're all going through the same thing. It's crazy. And uh, but the music industry is clawing back, and it's and we're here, and we're doing shows, we're doing concerts, and doing all the rest of it. So um, you're just gonna have to be patient as I bang these episodes out. Uh, you know, I'm not quite on the weekly pace that I was, but uh, my guest this week, I've been trying to lock down for a couple of weeks. We've been trying to connect for a couple of weeks, um, and schedules getting away. He's a busy guy, and and of course I'm out uh, busy as well right now. So. Uh, we finally were able to make it happen in Stockholm, Sweden, of all places. Uh, Pete Lesperance, um, I've has been a part of my world uh, since I would say 1990, 1991. He would he doesn't really know that part of it, but uh, we have roots in the same city. Um, he, uh, you know, it, speaking of making it, he was he he, he is and was in one of the biggest um canadian rock bands around the world globally um and would always come into the store that i was working at and uh and it was just it was a whole thing about it and i just remember um hearing the stories of him playing around the world and things like that when we were you know i was like i don't know how old was i 15 16 years old or something at long mcquade in oshawa ontario and um just thinking to myself man what a time uh, at that age when I was trying to get into music and, and thinking about making it as a career and hearing these stories about him playing around the world and uh, all the rest of it, it was quite, uh, it was quite inspiring. And we're finally going to get a chance to sit down to talk about it. So I can ask him whether he's made it or not. So please welcome to the show uh, from Smoke and Ashes and Harem Scaram, my old pal, Pete Lesperance. How are you, buddy? What's going on? Hey, Brett. How goes, man? Uh, it's been a long time, dude, and good to see you. Good to see yeah, you. Good to in see a, you too, man. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, we were talking a little bit before we went on, but just about our history and, and some of the things like that. Um, if you're from Oshawa, Ontario, which is a suburb outside of Toronto, um, thriving music scene at one point. I'm not sure if it is anymore. You'd have to tell me. But um, there was so many bands coming out of that time. Uh, when I first heard of Pete and then first met Pete, I was working at Long McQuaid Music in Oshawa. Hi, uh, Paulo and 
all the guys over there. How are you doing? Um, and uh, I was, uh, you know, first brought in as like an intern through high school and then was able to get a job there. And this guy would come in, you know, once every couple of weeks, play some guitars. Your drummer, Darren, would come in. Um, I think we even had his kit set up and I'm a drummer. So it was like, <sighs> and you guys would come in, you guys would come in and uh, the whole store would stop. And this was the time when rock stars were, you know, now there's not as much access, right? Or now there's way more access. Back then there was no access to, to rock stars per se. Metal Edge magazine, Hit Parader, those kind of things is where you got your information. But when you work at a music store, the local rock stars would come in. And there was no bigger band from Canada nationally around the world. Like, you know, metal band uh, at that time in that sort of like out of the late 80s, early 90s, than Harem Scarum. You guys were huge in Japan. You did great business in Canada. Um, it was the time in the music video. So you had these great videos. And um, it was very inspiring to me because at that point it was like I was looking at getting into the music industry and I had Wembley. I, that was right when Freddie Mercury died. I remember there was like the, the mm-hmm. Wembley show and all these things. And then you guys would come in and talk about playing these venues. And it was just, uh, it was just such a thing. So um, I was, I've been wanting to talk to you about, about your version of making it, which we'll get into, but here you are. I appreciate the time. Welcome to the yeah. Brent podcast. Tell everybody who the hell you are, Pete, and thanks for coming on, man. <laughs> well, uh, my name is Pete Lesperance. I am uh, I am currently um, one half of the country duo Smoke and Ashes um, with Aaron Allen, uh, a fellow Canadian country artist. Uh, we've yeah, there's Aaron right there. So that's Aaron and I, and that's our band Smoke and Ashes. We uh, started putting out singles last summer. Um, yeah, we, uh, and we've, uh, we have another one coming out on July 8th and we're putting the band together and we're actually going to go out and do a bunch of playing. So that is kind of, um, where I'm at personally with my music right now. I'm also working on some solo stuff as well. Some, uh, solo country stuff, believe it or not. So I'll add that to the pile. Cause it's just, why not do more <laughs> all the right. time, do more, um, yeah. So we're, we're working on that stuff. The harem scarum thing is on hiatus right now. We, um, Harry and I were looking at doing another record and, uh, we just basically don't have it right now. We don't have it in us. So we don't, there's no point making a record if we're not loving the idea. And I'm super focused on the other stuff I'm doing. And Harry's very focused on his, uh, mastering and he's still producing stuff. He's got a lot going on right now as well. So, so Harem Scarum is backburnered, if not completely defunct. So we'll see. I mean, that's not really the plan. You know, we just want to wait until we're inspired to do it again. Yeah. So. Anyway, I, I derailed myself there, but yeah, I'm a producer. I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I play on all kinds of country stuff um, on all, I'm all over Canadian, you know, country, whatever, radio, satellite radio, playing with a bunch of artists here doing, you know, playing on their stuff and part of are the you, Sharp Nine music are you team. Writing, are you writing with other artists now too? Like, I mean, I know you've always, you've always been a part of that and you've produced uh, and you and Harry have been part of of um, producing some of our friends' bands like Gary Begner with and those guys. And so are you still producing and writing for other artists, whether it be country or rock or, uh, or are you really just focused on, on this right now? Yeah, no, no, I'm still, um, I'm still doing that. I just produced a, an artist named Quentin Blair, a brand new track country track called $20 bottle. That's out now. And uh, had a lot of fun with that. So, yeah, doing a bunch of production work on as well, doing a bunch of playing for different producers. Like I was saying, I'm, I'm part of a, a a group of producers called Sharp Nine. It's um, Bill Miller is our manager, and he, he manages us collectively as a group of producers. And uh, uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> yeah, it's just, well, just about about writing and songwriting, and oh yeah, and and working with other artists. Because I, I I am fascinated because I had Diesel on there a couple of weeks ago, and he's in that yeah. country space. And I know a bunch of uh, country people, you know, in that space. And it's it's quite the competitive um, business, like everything in the in the music industry. I, I understand, yeah. but um, what was like? What is that transition for you to go from, um, you know, rock band, big ass guitar solos, uh, or a big ass arena rock? You know, the whole the image thing, the you know, and, and, and producing those kind of records and focusing that and then having to switch over and produce new artists and learn the method for country. Because I think people, 
think you just plush play and you just go, but there really is sort of a bit of a, you know, there, there seems to be a bit of a, a I don't want to say theme, but they're production wise, like you get, you gotta, you gotta keep up with the rest of them. You know what I mean? There has to be some kind of like uh, trend, you know, thing to learn about how to produce a country track properly. So what was that transition like between the two, you know, sides of it? It was kind of a long process to tell you the truth. It didn't really feel like, uh, like an overnight transition or anything. I, I started playing country. Oh God, I don't even know now. Probably just over 10 years ago, I really started getting into it. And frankly, it was because I was completely bored with a lot of rock music. And yeah. um, I didn't really listen to a lot of music. I wasn't really into guitar that much anymore. I wasn't practicing as much as I used to. And then I got turned on to um, this guitar player named Doug Seven, and he did a bunch of instructional stuff. And it was country. And it was all chicken picking and super clean and friggin' hard and it reminded me of when i was a kid when i was learning guitar again i went this is amazing it totally got my attention uh from a guitar perspective and musically i mean i was always into stuff like the eagles my dad was a huge country fan so i've got a whole there's a giant mm. country repertoire in my head um and i guess i i drew from that without even knowing it i played went out and played with michelle wright for i did a big six-week tour thing with her up here um so that was my first foray into playing live country and really kind of getting into it and thank you michelle for that mm -hmm. and uh yeah so it just kind of went from there i started working with jeff delzeal a lot uh and he you know was producer of the year a few years in a row more than a few three four i'm yeah. not sure anymore but um yeah so and i've been just playing on his stuff forever which obviously i'm listening to country i'm you know really focused on it and frankly it's it's just time for me i don't listen to rock music and that's just i know it's a sad truth <laughs> a lot of people are going to think i'm a dick for saying that but i don't listen to rock music i don't really listen to a ton of music period but i definitely don't listen to rock music and country just feels age appropriate to me and i mean that in the best of ways like i feel like i can keep doing what i'm doing now until i can't do it anymore so What's your definition of rock right now? Because to not listen to rock, because there's a lot, there's a lot of it, but there's also different definitions of what that means now. Because rock has taken so many forms. Like if you go on Apple's playlist or you go on Apple Music and then type in rock as a category, I mean, there is like this real heavy mix of bands that are like some would consider not rock. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. Modest Mouse is mixed with right the yeah, new yeah. aussie track that's mixed mixed with imagine dragons that's mixed with um you know a new slash song so they've kind of jumbled the whole thing in together you go to the hard rock section and it's full-on hard rock you go to the country section and it's it's just on its own so it's very interesting to me how people are defining it is there something about rock right now that's not speaking to you are you just finding nothing creative with rock right now or are you just finding it kind of like i'm over it i've been there i want to try something new or this is just the space that i'm comfortable in right now um you know what i think it's deeper than that for me on some level I've, I've discovered over the years and i was a huge music fan in the beginning obviously and i love great music i love great songs i love when music moves me you know i'll, I'll cry at a, at a you know a sappy ballad if the lyric is right or whatever but you know that's not the point but um, you know <laughs> as far as music is not really something that i i take part in on a listening kind of level anymore it's more it's something i do it's uh, i've always got something to do I, i've learned a bunch of new instruments i'm playing all kinds of i'm always trying to improve on those things i'm one of those guys i still practice like like a lunatic frankly if you ask my wife <laughs> i still practice like you know crazy crazy amount of time i get up at five o'clock in the morning just to put time into the instrument before i actually get to work you know so music is something i do it's not something i experience so if i'm not doing it i'm not all that interested and frankly even with my own stuff once i'm done it i'm not that interested either <laughs> uh -huh. It's like a movie. It's like somebody that makes a movie and then they don't want to watch the movie anymore. You know, it's like, well, I, I well, don't want to, exactly. I don't want to see I mean, what It's I've always there. been that way. We've always yeah. finished records and then you never want to hear them again for a while. Cause you've heard them so much. And yeah, like I said, it's really not a spectator sport for me. Music is kind of a do it or, you know, mm. yeah. I see so many shows. I, I was speaking to, you might know Ray Lozier from corn drummer from corn. Uh, I do not No, He plays, uh, he played with David Lee Roth forever, but he he's uh, with corn now and they've got just a, monster record that they put out which is really great but i was i had a chance to see them in a small club in italy a couple of weeks ago and uh oh, ray's wow. gonna come on the show in a couple of couple of days i think and but i was we were sitting there shooting the shit and um 
I kind of, we were talking about Jonathan from Corn because people are like, oh, you know, you're in a metal band. You must listen to metal all the time. And Monkey, the guitar player from Corn, who's a fantastic dude, is like, that guy doesn't listen to any metal or rock at all. He only listens to New Wave. He only listens oh, to wow. like, you know, like he loves the Cure and he loves Depeche Mode and all that kind of stuff. And um, I think people just assume it's like, oh, you're in Harem Scarum, so you must love Poison and Warrant and you must love all those and Skid Row and all those bands. Or you're in a country band and you must love, you know, this. But people's tastes just take them all over the place. They happen to write music that speaks to them, but maybe they don't listen to that genre. It's very yeah. interesting to me because... Uh, I did tour with Corn a couple of years ago and Jonathan said, people think we're a metal band, but we're actually a funk band. And I love new wave. And when you listen to them like that, moving forward, knowing that they're funk mixed with new wave, you'll never listen to the band the same way. Cause right. Jonathan spins his lyrics like a, like a cure song. It's, it's, it's quite something to discover. So you as a consummate musician, who's always trying to learn new things and, and up your, your, and you're already a, monster guitar player <laughs> like what 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 do you want to learn more of you everything, know what I mean? <laughs> everything yeah. man over the last bunch of years i've learned um well whatever you see everything you see behind me i play banjo i play dobro i play pedal steel will be the death of me i'm playing that now and that will probably be the last <laughs> i'll go out playing that one because that's uh that's that's gonna be a long road but i just love it all you know i just love making sound you know mm -hmm. like that adding new sounds to, to the to the tapestry of whatever you're doing. I mean, as a producer, it just, it really made sense to me. And I mean, again, I'm hungry for this stuff. I want to learn all the time, whether it's production, mixing, because I'm doing it all, right? And I love yeah. it all. And there's no, no part of it that I want to hand off to anybody because I love doing it. So even when I'm producing stuff, I'll usually farm out the drums and bass. And other than that, I'm playing, if, if it's an artist and not a band, I'm playing all the stringed instruments, you know, because I like to do that. And it usually mm -hmm. turns out the way people are happy. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now. So your foray into, I'm going to go backwards a little bit here to the, to the harem scarum thing. And the, as we move closer to the making it idea, um, What's the history of P born and raised? Where were you born and raised? But, um, you know, Karam Scaram kind of became like an Oshawa band. But what is the actual history behind that rise of that of that band? Well, um, yeah, I was born in Scarborough. And then I moved to Oshawa when I was like six months old. My parents bought a house there in South Oshawa. And I lived there until I was 27. So during that time, um, I played in one other band, a metal band called Minotaur, that I started with my best friend at the time. Uh, when we were eight years old. So funny enough. He's Minotaur. Well, actually, I started, Did yeah, you call actually, it I started playing when I was eight. I think we started, Kevin and I started playing. He was the singer in Minotaur. He passed yeah. away a few years ago. Um, or yeah, almost a couple of years ago now. Um, but uh, we started Minotaur when we were about nine, 10 years old, playing like, you know, Eagle stuff, like really, you know, the, the easy stuff, the typical stuff everybody was playing back then. And then we found Iron Maiden and we totally got into the metal thing at around grade nine when that started. So anyway, I'm, I'm making it a longer story than it needs to be. We played around Oshawa a lot. We won the Battle of the Bands. We were little kids, but we were, we were pretty focused on what we were doing. We were playing bars. We went out with Anvil, you know, the band Anvil? Absolutely. Yeah, well, we went out with Anvil. We used to have to get notes from our parents so we could go and play these bars. And we literally would go on tour for like a month, two months at a time all across Canada, or well, mostly Quebec and Ontario with Anvil. I was like, you know, 16, 17-year-old kids. Like, it was complete insanity. Our parents, I don't know what they were thinking, but they let us do it. So it was, that was kind of fun. And that was Oshawa. So we were kind of a, we were a real Oshawa band at that time anyway. Um, I left that band to join Harry in harem scarum around um well we started harem scarum i guess it was around 1989 oh there we are uh yeah hair farmers the bunch of us um there you go yeah around 1989 i guess we started the band uh harry was looking to just go out and get a record deal basically and and, and i was kind of done doing what we were doing in the minotaur situation and i just wanted to go out and and do that get a record deal and go play our own songs i had no interest in playing covers it was just let's take the most direct way um we did uh we did a cd demo as far as i know we did the first cd demo in canada oh, really what's that sorry Really? The first yeah, one? Yeah, our manager at the, at the time happened to work at Sinram, and he took our demo in overnight, and he, he 
unbeknownst to Sinram, they pressed it up and we had like 500 CD demos. And that was pretty impressive at the time for the labels, like I said, around 89. So we went in and we played it for Warner. We played for a bunch of people. We got Warner interested. And then Warner, uh, Warner came out, saw us in Oshawa at um, the Rock Connection and uh, signed us. And that was kind of how that started. And that was around, that was 90 maybe by then. And uh, we did our first, uh, the debut came out in 91. How did you guys battle through the the stigma of Canadian bands, which still exists? <laughs> well, it, it was an interesting one because, you know, we were pummeled with American bands at that point, yeah. anyone from 89 on. So it would have been, you know, obviously the Poisons, the Warrants, the Cinderella, the all those kind of bands that were on the Q107 top 10 of 10, which was our our by bi- like you know our 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 audio bible really back yeah. then it was kind of like what was in the top ten there you go and people were like well yeah. why did why did rat not break in Canada so well they weren't really on the top ten of ten very much like if if Q one hundred seven said it so then that's where it was at the time and that's at true, the time yeah. right and uh, then uh, you know ninety seven seven comes along and starts playing killer stuff and and all the that rest was a great of it station back then. yeah so. But there was this stigma about Canadian bands, which still, I, I mean, has kind of split off now because of the rise of Canadian pop acts, you know, like The Weeknd mm. and Avril and all these uh, these bands huge, that kind of blew, huge that, bands, yeah. that blew up that are Canadian, Drake, all the rest of it, regardless, uh, Nickelback, all that stuff. But at the time, at the late 80s and 90s, man, there wasn't a lot of you. There was you, uh, I mean, if I remember correctly, as far as international success, it was probably just you i don't even think slick toxic got to where you guys got to so it was you guys but if i can remember that time it was like you guys uh maybe slick toxic uh haywire but they wouldn't have you know there was they were kind of minorly there um well, that was the thing. Most of those bands were, they were home bands. You know what I mean? Like they had their success here. And frankly, we were jealous of that at the time, which is so funny, you know? Like, right. We wanted that so bad. Like, cause we just never felt that we got to where we wanted to be in Canada. Right. Like, God, that was, that plagued us our whole fucking career. But you know what? You guys, I think focused on the international thing because like, you we know, <laughs> uh, yeah, but but I think like, and I think about that today too because like Danko, for instance, Danko isn't as big in Canada as he is. He just did you know fifty thousand people like you know as part of the festival over here. He's massive over here, but in Canada, it's you know yeah. he does he does well. So there is this sort of funny thing about Canadian bands that kind of like and and in that genre, which was super competitive at the time. Oh um, I but thankfully we had much music and all the rest of it. You guys had great videos and, and um, I, I just, um, I, I find it funny because you, you like, you wanted to be, have the hometown success, but I'm sure all of those bands, Sven Galli, all those guys were dying to have the success that you guys had in Japan and things yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Where you go and, <laughs> and sell out like, you know, whatever did you guys do Budokan? have you guys done what was no, the biggest no, show no. You, what was the biggest show you Nothing guys did big. over there yeah the biggest thing we would do we do like i think the first time there was a there was a great club called club cheetah we sold out three nights there yeah so all those bands would think, you know i can't me, remember me no, as no, the young you fan i'm i'm <laughs> like me as the young fan i'm, I'm going like well the you know sure like uh slick toxic can do the you know to, well, they could only do the warehouse or something, or you know, what I'm saying no one got to massive status, but you guys were the ones touring around the world. You guys would come in along with Quaid, and it would be like, You did what? You just played with who? You played with a giant festival? It's very interesting to me. And I and I'm seeing the festivals right now over here. Like Lee Aaron just came over. Honeymoon Suite is over here. Um that's great. You know, we were supposed it, to do Sweden Rock before the um we were supposed to do Sweden Rock the year of the COVID thing. That's they what they just played. They just played it. I'm in Sweden yeah. now. It's so funny that she, she was just here. But I, um, you know, it just, it's such an interesting thing to me that like Lee Aaron's another one that was big in Canada, but she actually did pretty well internationally. So, she did, I, yeah. you know, I, I find it very interesting about just that time because now every act has an opportunity to be an international star. Yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, every act, people don't really get to the, uh, what do you call it? Um, geographically, it's like, cool, we're from Canada, but that, that people are now, it's like if it blew up on TikTok or if it blew up on something, then it doesn't matter where you're from. People are just coming to see it. Yeah, it's international, man. There's there's artists coming from all over the place. My daughter goes and sees bands that she's fallen in love with online because of TikTok, whatever. And they come and they play here, and they're playing for, you know, a thousand, two thousand yeah. people. They've never been here. It's like it's amazing. It's quite incredible how how fast shit gets popular these days. It's quite something. My question to you though is, um, what you know, getting back to the rock, the rock side and like you know, not necessarily watching, oh, there's a dog there. That's nice. Uh, not necessarily watching all the rock, but um, how, how did, what's the plan for the new, the new generation of these bands? Because I'm feeling like a lot of this stuff that's breaking uh, doesn't necessarily guarantee a hard ticket. So they're breaking, but they're like the fourth band on a festival or they're doing that one club run or one arena run. And then it's out because people's attention span is gone and they're not doing full records or something like that. Um, when you guys like when Scarum tours now and we'll get into Smoke and Ashes in a minute because country's a different different side of it. Um, but when Scarum plans a tour now, I mean, how do you sustain expenses? How do you ex- sustain being able to afford to do it? Uh, I'm sure you have a bottom, like a nut that you have to meet just to make it worth your while to get out. Um, yeah. But not everybody can walk into, you know, not walk walk on to Donington or walk on to a big festival still like Sweden Rock with the cachet that you guys have. So how do you how do you do it now in 2022? Well, I think we just frankly, we're just in a position where we're we're fortunate enough that we've been around long enough that. People are still willing to all together, like, you know, obviously on a tour, as you know, right, you've got, you know, your 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 anchor gigs that are the big gigs and the big money gigs and all that's great. But then you've got a week in between. So you fill it up with the shitty gigs or the cheaper gigs or whatever you want to call them. And uh, you just make it work in the end. And I don't know how any bands do it, frankly. I mean, I like I said, I think I feel we're fortunate because there's still a promoter over there or promoters over in Europe and Japan. And last time I think we went to the Philippines as well. And like there's still people that will will bring us over and pay us what we need to get paid to make it happen. And honestly, I don't know how this works for other people. Brent. Yeah. I don't know how anyone's making a living in the music industry. Frankly, I'm just happy to be where I am <laughs> and doing what I'm doing at this point, you know. Like, I really don't know. I don't know. It's a mess. It, and it's as much dumb luck or, a, you know, a good, bad idea. Like something blows up on TikTok and you're famous. I don't fucking like, well, I, don't, I, I worry about the. I worry about like, okay, so over here right now is, you know, I'm, I'm out with the uh, Imagine Dragons, but the Chili Peppers are over here. Metallica's over here. Guns and Roses are over here. Um, Coldplay. Everyone's doing stadiums. And then there's the next level. And I'm looking at this going, well, who is going to do a stadium now? That's not pop. What's the next rock act that's going to do and take over for this? Like Guns N' Roses. What's the next one that deserves it? Well, that's the thing, right? I don't know. And so it's it's so interesting to me to to like music, like. Make fucking great music. Make it undeniable. Do shit that your fans go crazy for. If you don't, fuck you. You don't have a chance. You know, know, like. That's really what it comes down to, man. Just be as good or better than everyone else or different than everyone else. I don't know the answer. Like, I honestly, I'm, you know, I do the making of the music and I do, I try to do everything I can from the writing to the producing and the playing to make sure it's as good as it can. But man, when that shit walks out the door, that's someone else's department, I'm afraid, you know, like. You know, we work in conjunction. I work in conjunction with radio people and we're trying, we're, we're doing specific things for specific projects sometimes. Sometimes we're just doing art with the big A, right? For the sake of the art, whatever. It depends on the artist. But, you know, as far as as far as any kind of roadmap of how this is working out there for people now, man, I am not the guy to ask. As we get into Smoke and Ashes and the things that you've been up to with them and sort of basically, in essence, launching a new band, you know, and trying yeah. to go through that um i don't want to ask you if you've made it yet 
But what I do want to ask you um, is how does Pete Lesperance define making it? Because everyone has their definition of making it and what their version of making it is. Um, I don't want Pete to answer this as has Pete Lesperance made it, but what is your definition of making it? Well, I think realistically, um, it with my age slash experience and everything that I've kind of just been through in my career, I think I can look at it a little more objectively at this point and go, well, I think making it is being able to live a life that you want to live, to not have to, you know, and I mean, again, right, this sounds fucking hoity-toity or whatever, but like to not have to do things every single day that you don't want to do. Like, I feel you know, I, I'm, I'm appreciative of the life I have. I'm, I'm appreciative of the fact that I sit here and I make music with people and I talk to my friends and I'm on FaceTime with my producer buddies all day long. And like, this is what I do. And it's amazing. And I guess that's, to me, that is kind of what it, it's all about, right? I mean, it's whatever you do, whatever gets you there, you know what I mean? Whatever gives you that feeling. It's not for everybody. I, yeah. Not everybody would love to sit in their basement on a beautiful sunny day. I don't even know if the sun's out, you know what I mean? We've done two but, years. We've done two years inside. So I, Exactly. Exactly. That's <laughs> but, all. And that's so true. And that just, that's another thing, right? When you go, well, you can get through that like the way I did and- you know, I'm okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, with with this time of you know shutdown, with our business has not really ever had an opportunity to shut down like this. Yeah. Uh, music kept being made, but the live shows and all the rest of it shut down. Um, and so we never really have had a break like this in so long that it's it's almost welcomed um, to that point. So uh, it's it's interesting, but it also gave people an opportunity to think about what it is that they wanted to do with the rest of their life coming out of this thing and going, yeah, I'm not happy with this shit. I'm going to move to and do something else. So it's been, it's been a very interesting kind of time for people. I'm seeing it out here. Uh, word of advice, when you do go get ready to go back on tour, call me. <laughs> so I'll, tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you about the mess that's going on over here and the supplies and the travel and all the crazy. But yes, the whole business shut down and in turn, the whole business is now short-staffed. Right. And it's and supply suppliers are short. Everything is short everywhere. So um, yeah, people have decided to do something else with their life, and in turn, every business and has shut down. It's been crazy. So crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy. So um, keeping with that thing, then I have to ask the question: Has Pete Lesperance made it? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Look, how answer. could I say no? Of course, yeah. just by my own version of what that is. I mean, I like what I do. I love my life. I love my family. I love, uh, yeah, man, I love what I do. And I love making music. And I make music with a ton of great people, meeting new ones all the time. Always everything's expanding, making more music, leaving more of the legacy of whatever the fuck that is. And yeah, man, I'm, I couldn't be happier. That's awesome. The, yeah. um, uh, and congrats to that because it's, it's been, a, you have to work at it your whole career and you have to get to that space where you're, you know, you're doing what you love for a living. Um, and it's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of time away, a lot of, you know, a lot of trying to make it quote unquote by everyone's definition. Um, what was the point? Uh, let's go to scare him for a minute. What was the point where you were like, I think I can do this for a living now. Like, I think I'm done having to find another job. I think we can make a career at this and we are now making a career at this and I don't have to do anything else. Did that, did that happen early or was that later in the career? No, I would say it was definitely far later, far later. I mean, things, things were, things were good and they got better, but you know, to be totally honest, like by our second record, I was on welfare. Interesting. And how many records did the first, how many albums did the first record sell? Oh, I don't even know to tell you the honest to God truth. I think we were just ducking under gold in Canada. Yeah, which is 50,000. Um, and, and I couldn't even tell you worldwide. I really don't. I, I've never been a numbers guy. Like, I don't pay attention to tell you the honest to God truth. Isn't that as interesting, as though? It's interesting to me that, you know, and I think people need to hear this, that, you know, in a time of selling records, which is not this time, but in a time of selling records and you guys were just under gold, I think eventually it went gold and, and beyond you were on welfare going into the second album. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that was, you know what I mean? I don't know that it's any, uh, I don't know that anything's any better now. Like things are still so tough for people. If not tougher, I can't even imagine, you know, at least then there was a, there was a path you could follow. And if you were really good, there was a gatekeeper that would probably let you in if you were going in the right direction. You know what I mean? That's kind of, that's sure. kind of the road we, we followed the standard, find the, find the A&R person that loves you. And, you know, now, yeah, I, you know, you can do all that, but you have to do everything on your own. And then yeah. you have to do something exceptional and you have to do something exceptional. And then there has to be an angle and there, that angle has to have a hook. <laughs> it's endless. Like it really is. It's just, there's so many ways. It's the wild west, which is kind of great in a way, because if there's, if there's people that are really driven and focused and want to make shit happen, well, now's the time. Hey, and if you don't, go do something else. Like really, mm. it's, you know, no one had it given to them. You know, we did a lot of stupid, crazy things back then. We gave up a lot of shit and people want to just be famous overnight now. Like it's pretty ridiculous. Some of the attitudes on, you know, mm. on some people. You know, There's so many options for them now, right? You don't have to work as hard because it's like, well, if I just got to go viral one time yeah. and then I'm, and then I'm set and, and it's really put an urgency level down like uh, a notch and even bands that are like get in the van. Get in the van yeah. and go. You can't get your gold record in Canada unless you've been across in January, February, and March. And if you're not willing to do that because you're just going to hang out and wait for you to go viral, then that's that's my problem where the music industry is, is going to struggle is that are kids willing to get in the van? I don't think they are. are they I mean, willing? I'm sure some probably are, yeah. but I don't think that's really a thing anymore. That's what I mean. Everyone, everyone wants to be famous. Truthfully, I didn't want to be famous when I started playing music. I wanted to play my guitar. Yeah. I wanted to play my guitar all day and all night and then do it with friends and then do it all the time with friends. And that was my drive. Like it had nothing to do with being famous. Sure. You want to be a rock star because Eddie Van Halen was a rock star or Randy Rhodes or whoever the hell I was listening to at the time. But it really wasn't about that. It truly was about the music. And I don't know that it is so much anymore. I'm and I mean, again, that's a blanket statement. Of course, there's people that it's only about the music. It's all about sure. the music, but you know, there's also the rest of the world too. Well, what is a rock star now? Because a rock star, you you can you can reach out to on Instagram and they make it back to you. That never yeah. happened. You used to have to write letters and yeah. all that stuff. And it was a you know, you guys, you know, in Japan, one of the greatest countries in the planet for fan club stuff. Like how many letters do you have to respond to? How many times you got to email a letter? Does or not email? Like send a letter. That's okay. We like dogs. Yeah. They're going crazy though. We're having painting done upstairs and they've been cooped up down here for a while. So that's fine. But it's, it's funny to kind of have that sort of like, side. go ahead. No problem. <laughs> As Pete goes to his dogs and uh, all the rest of it. Uh, I want to send a shout out to my friends at fit on tour right now um, who definitely um, when I'm out here on tour and I'm doing stuff, these guys keep me uh, in check when I I'll, I'll go for a run. I'll go for something. Uh, a big shout out to my friends over at fit on tour. That uh, while I'm out here on tour are keeping me uh, on the straight and narrow and all the rest of it. Check them out on Instagram. Great people over there uh, looking out for people in my business and in my industry uh, as I try to stay as healthy as I can on tour and out there. So a big shout out to them and a huge thanks to them uh, for uh, uh, for all their support over the time. So uh, anyways, back to Pete. Now that he's got the dogs uh, I'm back. settled, <laughs> settled down. You know what I mean? Oh, doggy madness. <laughs> Get yeah. a dog, they said. It'll be. Oh fun, right, yeah, yeah. That's what they say. <laughs> okay, so uh, moving ahead, I know you got to. You know, we're gonna roll out of here in a bit. But uh, so speaking about getting in the van, I mean, you got to get in the van again. Well, you know, you got we'll smoking. You got smoking ashes. Um, yeah. Uh, which basically is you have to start up from. I, I want to say scratch, but in essence, it's it's the first you're getting back into it. You're launching a brand new band. You got to go through the whole thing. Um, your reputation will, will take you as far as it'll take you. But uh, at the end of the day, you got to have the songs and you got to have the willingness to get out there and do it. So um, what's this like trying to break a new band and get into it? Well, it's been convoluted obviously by, by COVID, you know, I mean, Aaron and I started writing for this last April and really the only plan I had, I had the idea for High on Sunday kicking around for a long time. And Aaron and I bonded over the weed thing. So I was like, hey, well, we were going to write a song together. I was going to write a song with him for my solo project. 
Yeah. And then we wrote high on Sunday and we were like, Oh, this is good. I want to do it. And he's like, yeah, I want to do it too. Well, why don't we do it together? We just thought we would do an Aaron Allen featuring me. And that would be a way to introduce me as an artist. Yeah. And, uh, and then we were like, yeah, well, what are you doing next week? Well, let's write another one. So we wrote another song. We're like, this is cool, man. We got a, there's something going on here. Like, this, and we wrote six songs in six weeks, seven songs in seven weeks. And, uh, and that was it. And then, so, but unfortunately because of COVID and everything, we had planned on kind of being where we are now, like last October, we were going to rehearse the band. We were going to start playing. We were going to do all of that. And it's taken this long to make it happen. So, um, yeah, so we're just at that point now we're putting the band together. We are, uh, starting rehearsals in a couple of weeks. Um, we're doing some stuff to get our ducks in a row business-wise and make the connections we need to make um, as far as, uh, you know, an agent, that sort of thing, to get out there and start to do some playing. And, yeah, no, I don't really intend on, you know, necessarily doing this the, uh, the way we did when I was 21 because I don't want to get in a band, frankly. Um, I want this to be really good. I want it to be really high-end, and I want it to... Uh, you know, well, we'll do what we have to do, of course. I mean, but yeah, it's not going to be an extensive touring situation. I mean, Aaron's got a career too. Like there's a lot going on. And again, we'll do anything that makes sense. You know what I mean? But it's not going to be jumping a van because of the band is, is going to be a bit of a thing, a bit of a behemoth too, because we're going to do, there's going to be about an eight piece band, I think, or something like that. And that's an expensive um, band to take out. How did you, well, how, how did you come up with the name for Smoke and Ashes? You said it's kind of weed based. Yeah. Well, it's, it, yeah, the name is not, based, funny enough, the name is not about that. The name, Aaron had the name. Aaron was starting a, a, a like a, a small label, um, and that was going to be the name for the label. And then when we started writing these tunes, we we're like, well, yeah, this has a real angle of the weed thing. And, and we were talking about it. With, well, I said, well, why don't we just use Smoke and Ashes? I think that's a great name. And it works, too. It's kind of the duo thing, you know, like yeah. we're, we, we got a cartoon kind of motif going on for the next thing. It almost looks like Smoke and Ashes, like it's the two guys. So it was just it was just the, the name worked really well. And uh, and yeah, it does. It plays into the whole weed angle that we are. We are definitely leaning into that um because hey why not man that's what's going on out there and we're we're both quite honestly weed heads and have been <laughs> well i have been my whole life i mean and you know as far as i'm concerned it's been nothing but uh, a marvelous thing in my life and i it's, know a lot of people who feel the same way now and now that it's legal it's like yeah man we're gonna lean into it it's funny because uh, when you talk about branding and all the rest of it and it's a great name smoke and ashes absolutely but uh, if it was way earlier like out of the eighties into the nineties and you were called this, people would be like, which one is smoke and which one is ashes? <laughs> exactly. Which, <laughs> which one? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Which one's smoke, which one's ashes. And then, you know, your videos are like, you know, it's actually kind of funny because you could, it's, you know, it's, you could almost be like, Hey, smoke, come over here. Okay. Ashes. I'm coming. You know, it's, yeah. that was, that was, <laughs> that was what was happening then. It was like, oh my God, it yeah. was branding and it was all the rest of it. But, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that space, you want to go at an eight piece band, uh, you know, which is going to have its own kind of thing. Um, but you know, have you looked into like how many shows have you guys played right now versus like full tour being able to jump onto something and, and do it? We haven't even rehearsed. Haven't even rehearsed yet. So it's all strictly, strictly music right now. Absolutely. Yeah. This has all just been a recording project over over the last year basically so um no this will be the aaron and i just got into a room the first time a couple months ago and actually played the songs together just the two of us for the first time so that was kind of fun um but yeah it's uh, i'm really looking forward to kind of putting it all together it's really just it's a fun thing and it's like it's the music is lighthearted and i get to sing which i love and it's country Mm -hmm. because it's in you know it's in my range it's great i love working with aaron i've played on a bunch of aaron's stuff since he's been working with jeff and uh so we were hyper connected anyway so it makes perfect sense and i get to do it with a buddy and it's great it's really gonna be fun i think it's a different take for you you know i'm sure like as you um uh go into that genre like i mean what makes a good country song for you because there's there's various versions of country right now you've got you know uh, there's still garth out touring you've got chris stapleton that's kind of in a more traditional sense you've got dallas that's kind of you know to me i think that like the new country and uh that you know people call it bro country they call it whatever the hell they want to but it really has roots out of that 80s and 90s you know, uh, genre of music, because there's a lot of, I find a comparison very, very comparable. 
at that time. Some of those bands are, you know, there, there seems to be a bit of a formula in that new country. So where does Smoke and Ashes live? Do they live in that traditional or are they living in the sort of like new kind of country or are you trying not to even define it and just make music? Yeah. You know what? That's really what it is. I'm not trying to define it at all because it's just the way I, the way, I mean, I'm producing it. So it's the way I'm hearing it. Right. It's, yeah. um, it's, I think it's, it's way more traditional than it is pop, but it's, it has pop elements. So I think it lives, it can live potentially beside what's going on right now and not sound. I, I, anyway, I'm, I'm told it sounds contemporary. So I think it sounds contemporary, but it, it's all a nod back to other music that we like. Like I said, the Eagles yeah. or, and again, not comparing us to that, but you know what I mean? That's the kind of stuff we like that we love. We, we want to evoke like that rope. Remember, I don't know if you saw the Eagles documentary, but there was something that Glenn Fry said in that. And he was talking about the Eagles and how, when they came out, it was, right after the vietnam war and all that and again not to compare in any way yeah. our situation but the the idea of it like the world just went through all kinds of shit you know the pandemics over all that stuff smoke and ashes is just about road tripping good time vacation smoking weed hanging with your friends loving life loving music and that's what we want to put across that's why i want to do a big band that's why we talked about you know we're, we're potentially talking about two drummers we're talking about having you know the extra instruments and mm. i want it to be like a friggin' kitchen party on stage in a way you know what i mean kind of like evoke some of what the jam bands do like the fish and the grateful dead some of what they do, maybe musically, just some of what they their the feel, but with music that's a little more, you know, what I want to do, what Aaron and I want to do, like right down the middle kind of stuff. I think that that uh, you know the jammy and all the rest of it, and and showing off the musical you know, your licks and all the rest of it and how you can actually play is a lost art right now. I always love it when a band goes down that road and still does it. I don't see it very much because everything is, uh, is uh, to click now or everything is uh, got playback and they got this and that. So if playback goes down you're like, somebody jam. Well, we can't jam because it might start back up again in 45 seconds. And it's like, I just feel like some of the personality of some of the bands is being lost with new tech. Um, but also the way technology is happening with the way bands are recorded and the way people get it on film and all the rest of it, that now more than ever, if you have a bad show and you don't line up properly or your click goes like, or, or the playback goes down, these bands are suffering. Cause it's like, well, you just proved that you guys can't really play or <laughs> you're not really, well, you're not really prepped for just a bunch. Of, I just, you know, I just watched McCartney the other night at BBC and he's still got all of his monitors and everything. Uh, you know, they, there's all these bands, you know, like I always love a band that's uh I love a band that's not an in-ears, even though I, I respect the in-ear process. I, I love it when, or at the very least, a band that, that will go ahead and just jam away and just show off their their, their talents and stuff. I I, re, I will always gravitate to a band like that. Well, all day, and I mean, all I think that's probably, I think we're showing kind of the era we come from in a way when we say that. And I 100% feel that way. And we're not, we, I, we're not playing to track. That's why I want to get a bigger band and I want yeah, to yeah. feel like... I want to be able to just veer off and jam parts out. Not that our music is jammy because it's not, but for, for a live show, that's where the fun happens. That's right? where that's the where fun happens. Yeah. Drop in the classic cover that has an extended middle section where everyone solos. You know, Zach Brown band is another example of a mm -hmm. band. I, I, I toured with, with uh, the Stellas and we opened for Zach. Uh, in in Canada on a on a bunch of shows and man I watched them every night and it was so inspiring because that is a whole bunch of guys that just got on stage and made unbelievable music night after night it was just this massive party and I want to do a little version of that <laughs> <laughs> well I appreciate the time man uh, you know on this uh, this show it's been been a while putting it together and it's also a little bit difficult for me to maintain a regular schedule right now with my touring schedule so I understand uh, uh, your schedule and I appreciate the time that you've made today to come on and tell a little bit of the story um, you know unbeknownst to you you know watching you come into that long McQuaid watching you and Darren come into that long McQuaid we didn't see Harry much Harry would come in one every now and again but but um, watching you guys come in uh, you always made time for everybody you always uh, were talking to everybody and um, for somebody like me at, you know, at uh, 14, 15, 16, as I'm looking at trying to get in and you got an artist that's in your town that's made, that has made it and is coming in and making time for guys like me, it really helped. It really uh, it furthered along my 
my choice to to go down this path. So I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> hey man. Hey, listen. I mean, that's cool. I'm making a career. I you know uh, I'm uh, I'm doing it. This is my career, and I'm and I'm traveling the world, and I'm and I get to run concerts. It's all I've ever wanted to do. Um, so At a very high un- level. <laughs> Sure, but unbeknownst to you until probably just now, but I, I need you to know that you've played a role in that and that all oh. these shows that I'm doing around here uh, and doing around the world and all the rest of it, there's a piece of that long McQuaid time here with me because it helped me push it ahead. So I thank you for that. I thank you for being uh, uh, cordial and awesome to everyone that you that would come into the store, uh, whether you liked them or not. You would always make time for everybody, and I and and that was a great place to hang and, and chill. And uh, I wish you all the best with the new act, uh, Smoke and Ashes. Look for Pete Lesperance out there. Um, look for them live. I, I can't wait to 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 get the info about when that when you're going to pull off your first show and and do all the rest of it. And um, yeah, just uh, one of the great ones in the business, man. So thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, Brad. I really appreciate it, man. It's been great chatting with you. Where can we uh, find you online and all the rest of it? Let's. Um, uh, I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I am on TikTok. I don't go on Twitter, but I have a Twitter account. I do. Probably. I do dribs and drabs of it. I'm terrible with that shit. I do what I can, you know. Awesome, man. Stick around for a minute. I'm just going to wrap this up. And uh, that's Pete Lesprince. Go find him online, everybody. Uh, one of the gems of our business. And I uh, appreciate the time, dude. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brent. That's Pete Lesprince. Uh, that's uh, another episode of the Brenton on Tour podcast uh, for another week. Uh, that's uh, the Making It series. I have to say thank you. Uh, a big shout out thanks to my friends at Partake. So now that I'm not drinking, obviously, on tour, or in life, uh, these guys have created an incredible, um, uh, you know, series of uh, beers: the blonde, pale, IPA, red, and stout, amongst others, including a Rattler and a whole bunch of different ones. But they taste great. They're uh, you know, ten calories, all the rest of it, and they have been a big supporter of my show. And uh, they've just re-upped, and I, I can't uh, thank them enough. So the, they're back on board. So thanks to my friends at Partake uh, for uh, keeping me, uh, you know, hydrated out here on tour uh, and all the rest of it. And um, if you can find it anywhere, make sure you go and do that. So huge thanks uh, to my friend Pete uh, for jumping on board. Uh, check out Smoke and Ashes. Um, uh, check out Harem Scarum. Great stuff. Monster Records and uh, Monster Guitar Player. This is the Brenton on Tour podcast for another week, everybody. I'll be back with another Making It or a Sober on Tour. I'm getting some requests for coffee to come back, so there's a few things in the can. Uh, But we'll see you when that happens. Thanks, everybody. Hey, listeners. I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca.